0: um, lots of things to talk about, Alex. Uh, 49ers news is here to stay, and this is a big week. Absolutely huge. 49ers versus Green Bay Packers, another rivalry um, from the 1990s, and this one has been impactful, and even you know recently, as, of course, because in the 2010s, uh, the Green Bay Packers couldn't get through Harbaugh in the San Francisco 49ers, and even more recently in 2019, True. the NFC Championship lost to Kyle Shanahan and these San Francisco 49ers.
1: Akron Ant with Kyle Shanahan as the head coach, Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo as your quarterback, um, and a lot of familiar faces defensively, familiar faces offensively as well. Uh, I think the big difference, right, is is the run game and some of the pieces in the O line are, are different. Um, but look, I, I you know I I went back and watched film. This this it, basically every day this week has been a different game, and me spending a lot of time early in the week, it was literally all of the games and watched all of them before we recorded um it's feeling more and more like this team is trending towards 20, the 2019 territory in terms of their play execution level what they're doing um you know each and every week as the season has progressed so that may bode well for the 49ers but regardless of that you got a healthy green bay packers team with a lot of pieces a lot of weapons and uh, and a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers who's a an MVP probably the probably the best quarterback in the league i mean he's arguably the best quarterback in the league um and one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time at home um on a cold it's going to be a cold day on saturday so we're going to see what happens and, and how the, the week plays out and how the, how, the, how that game plays out, obviously, when we get to it. Um, but there's tons of things to talk about. Uh, yeah. Number one, you got Jimmy Garoppolo, who's still out slinging. Um, Cam, In- Cam Inman watched a little bit of practice today, or yesterday, excuse me, early, and basically came out of it and said, yeah, I have no doubts that Jimmy Garoppolo is playing this weekend and he's going to be the guy and he's going. So uh, shockingly, Ant, the tweet from uh, from a few days ago, completely inaccurate, the opposite of accurate, a bunch of nonsense. The someone in San Francisco. He he probably tweeted his brother-in-law or texted his brother-in-law. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I think Jimmy's not going to play. He's like, <laughs> someone said he's not playing. Uh, the, the, the odds and the betting odds are swinging in the Green Bay Packers favor because of it. Uh, look, things happen all the time. People have inside information, you know, wh- whatever it is. Uh, context matters. And, and just understanding what's going on and why someone may be saying something is important. We try not to jump to any conclusions here. The best we can. Um, everyone's human. I'm gonna give the guy the benefit of the doubt who tweeted that out. That that he was just working off a of faulty information. And hopefully he does a better job next time of not, you know, putting some nonsense out there. But apparently it's not the first time, Ant. So uh, fool me once, I guess. Shame on me. Uh, fool me twice, shame. Shame on. Shame on you. I'm pretty sure that's not how that's supposed to work. But hey, it is what it is. Uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo, looking like he's gonna go, and that's something we've been saying pretty much all week.
0: Yeah, it it appeared that, you know, they're rolling with Jimmy. This is Jimmy's playoffs. I think Kyle Shanahan said that early um before the the Cowboys game is said, "Hey, this is this is going to be Jimmy's playoff run. This is his to go." And I listened to John Lynch talk on KMBR um when they were first deciding, you know, about Jimmy starting against the Rams. And Kyle, you know, was going to have him go basically Kyle called him in the office and said, "Jim, you know, this is what this is what's going on. I need you to go out there and see if you can throw because I need to make a decision on this." Um And Jimmy went out with, you know, quarterback coach, Rich Cangarello and some, you know, some other trainers. And he was out there uh, throwing and Kyle had told Jimmy, I'm not going to go out there. I'm not going to watch. um Just, you know, let me know, give me an honest assessment. But he ended up going out there and watching anyways. um And he walked away from it and he called John Lynch and he said, Hey, it's Jimmy's game. Uh, they, since that moment, I believe they've had full faith in Jimmy Garoppolo being the starting quarterback. And I think they trust Jimmy. they They know they've known him for a while now. They trust him to make the right decision for his team. And I think that this is a decision that they're willing to roll with because they know he still gives them the best opportunity to win. Uh, Trey Lance is going to eventually be that guy and give them you know, more than a good chance to win, but he's going to be the reason they win football games. But right now it's Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jimmy Garoppolo is talented enough to do it. And as long as he can um, control his passes and keep his passes where he wants them to go, more of the Brandon Ayuk throw along the sideline, yes. um, high and away, and protecting and, and less of what we saw with the Trent Shurfield one. That's literally the tale of two throws. Um, the same sort of thing happens. He escapes through the middle of the pocket, rolls to the right. One of them, you can tell he's feeling okay, gets the ball to Brian Ayuk in the right spot. The second one, not so much airmails Trent Shurfield, and it could have changed the game. It did change the game, but it could have changed it even more drastically. So hopefully we get Jimmy being able to you know pull those balls down, get those balls where they need to be, Um, because, yeah, you're right. I watched week three game. I've watched 2019. Uh, I watched 2020 again, and I think that the 49ers have an opportunity not only to attack with a run game, but that intermediate passing game does work against these Green Bay Packers.
1: 100% it it does. Um, The intermediate passing game is huge. way they like to uh, to cover and scheme things up, one of two things is going to be accurate. The middle of the field is going to be wide open on certain opportunities, especially off play action, or they're going to be taking it away heavy. And in that case, in those situations, you're going to have your deep shots and your big opportunities down the field, down the sideline or with crossers. So we'll see what happens with this, where Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be, how he's feeling, um, you know, just where his headspace is at. Because at the end of the day, too, it isn't just about the physical part right now. It's the mental aspect with the Jimmy as well. You know, how, how well does he trust his body? How well does he feel he knows his body and can control the things or do the things he needs to do, alter and adapt the things he needs to adapt in order to put the ball where he wants to put it? Um, That's going to be a big question. Uh, Fred Warner also limited, getting some limited practice in. He was out there doing some stuff as well on Wednesday during practice. Um, look, it's, it's, it's a good sign. It's a great sign. Fred great. has said as much. So the fact that, you know, coming off of a, of a Tuesday practice and no real setbacks, no big issues, no real concerns um, out there doing what he needs to do, getting some run in. Uh, that's good news, especially when you got guys like David Bakhtiari aren't practicing on thursday not getting in that run um they said they said the tuesday practice was a maintenance day was a load management type day so then what's wednesday because why is he still not practicing if it's just load management that doesn't make a whole lot of sense you're not giving him a whole lot of time to get to get prepped um maybe maybe he's not as healthy as everyone thinks saturday will be a good a good eye test i guess of, of where he is but the niners are going to prep for this green bay team being a hundred percent because That's all you can do. And in all honesty, that's what we want. I want to beat a 100% Green Bay team. I don't want the Packers to have any excuses. I don't want any fans walking away from the game going, yeah, but if they had... Right now, it's supposed to be 100% versus this team, which is as 100% as they possibly can be, despite the injuries that you have and the players who aren't coming back. Yeah, no one's
0: 100%. No team is 100%. No no team is, you know, the way they wanted to be constituted. They've put pieces together. They're just trying to put the best product out that they can. They're trying to execute at a high level. And you know what? Some of these players are not going to be right. And um, there's no excuses when you get to the playoffs. You just got to get out there and get it done. Uh, this, is, this is the team that's there. And the Green Bay Packers are getting healthy at the right time. You're right. And it, it doesn't surprise me that they're not going to do a whole lot with David Bakhtiari. Keep him safe. Keep him protected. Um, because you do need him against the 49ers. And you can't have any sort of a setback in practice. So why go out there and take any chances? I am encouraged by the fact that Fred Warner is out there for two straight days. Um, that means that, you know, the ankle responded well overnight. He wasn't too sore. He wasn't too stiff. Um, but the flexibility and things are still there. And the tape job that they're obviously putting together with it or a brace, whatever it is that they're rolling with, um, is working and it's manageable. So we he knows that he went through with the Bengals game and he, he played through it. He was able to get through it. So this is one of those opportunities for Fred Warner to be on the field. So we had the big topic, you know, is it going to be Fred Warner? Is it, you know, Nick Bosa? We'll both be back. If we have to choose, you know, which one, um, which one do we want back? And Crocker and um, and them talked about this on uh, Locked On podcast as well. The exact same top, topic as Face Off, you know. And they were both saying Nick Bosa was the guy. Uh, Brian Peacock and them were saying, you know, hey, it's, it's Nick Bosa because of the impact that he has. Um, and you know what? I, I think you and Jay Hill were kind of you know hovering around that a little bit. Um, but you know, it looks like Fred's gonna be the guy for sure. And then Nick Bosa uh, coming along the way here. Um, so it, at least we're gonna have one that does change the linebacker group. Because when you have Fred, Aziz, and Dre Greenlaw, you can stop the run with the front seven, especially, Alex, when you've got a, the number one run stopper from the defensive line position in DJ Jones and the number three in Eric Armstead.
1: Oh, man, what a surprise, Ant. I'm, I'm stunned. Yeah, I'm, 48% I'm
0: stunned. of the snaps, DJ Jones wins on the run game. I'm not surprised. Yeah. at all whatsoever and, right and D'Amico Ryan's talked about the fact that Eric Armstead moving inside is the reason the run defense has improved so much
1: oh man what a Eric Armstead was worth all the money um just can't I almost can't I'm speechless can't read my head around it aunt it's well tell not con- um, it's, literally I, this, yeah. I I have been saying this about Eric Armstead for a long time and I'm just glad that there's some people who are finally coming around to this whole notion that Eric Armstead is actually really good in a problem? Well, I think it's him going back to, to the three-tech, playing inside. Yeah. Um, he was a
0: five-tech in college, and I think the part of the problem was people saw him playing on the outside, and he wasn't as dynamic. In fact, if you go back and watch the 2019 game, there are plays where Aaron Rodgers escapes to the outside, and arms is the one that kind of Gives lets it, it happen. Yeah. Having a more speed rush guy on the edge does make sense. The problem was on obvious base rundowns, he was still the best defensive end there.
1: Oh, I mean, it yeah. wasn't even close. And that's, that's what made it so hard if you were the 49ers, right? You didn't have necessarily that guy out there that you were like, hey, we can put you out here every down on, on the rundowns and opposite of both. we're, we're good. We can move Eric. And we can afford to move Eric inside now. Um, Ebucom, that that draft the draft the not drafting, the trading for uh, not trading, the signing of EbuCom in the offseason, my word almighty, and uh, the signing of EbuCom in the offseason, we thought was going to be a project piece. It was a guy who was automatically gonna come in. He's got the speed aspect, he's got the power, the physicality with the pass rush, but maybe not necessarily so much in the run game. Uh, very early in the season, we saw a shift where EbuCom was starting to get in more on rundowns and starting to have success. And I'm going, I wonder. I wonder if you can ever get to a point through D'Amico Ryans where you just throw Armstead on the interior and that's just where he is now. He's just an interior defensive tackle for in this system, in this scheme with what are you doing Just have him play the three tech and you roll with Ebucom and on the base downs. I had that thought. I even suggested, I think early in the season, well, what if we move Eric to the interior? Is is that something we could do long-term? And, you know, I, I asked because I don't know. Um, I've seen him have success. But it's one thing to be successful on pass rushing downs when you're using your length and speed on the interior with your arm placement and hand placement to get around guys to get after the quarterback. It's a whole other monster to anchor down against a double team. Those are things are completely different. Armstead has shown that he can handle it. I think DJ Jones being next to him makes it very, very easy as well, because now teams are having to make sure that they either double both guys or try and double one and hope he can do enough against the other. And teams just aren't consistently.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, some, some of the reason that Armstead was able to move inside was number one. You, of course you have the injuries on the outside, you know, this, you know, D Ford and um everything that happened there, but you, then you got Samson Ebucom also. That's been, yeah, you're right. Playing better, but Maurice Hurst got hurt as well. True. Um, So you had injuries on the interior. So you didn't have guys that could step in when Javon Kinlaw went down. So the next best option was Eric Armstead. So they did it out of necessity. I'm so glad that happened because I think that it's going to change the role that we see from Eric Armstead moving forward. I think they're going to continue to maybe free. draft, sign, bring in more edge rushers and leave Armstead on the inside. The question is now in the off season. I know we're getting a little off season. I don't want to go too far into this, but um, DJ Jones is a free agent. And they want to, of course, they're going to want to bring him Resigned. back, and he's going to have some money out there for him to get, you know, get some money because he's one of the best now. And
1: and I can already tell you, the He's On Fire podcast and Arizona Cardinals fans are already saying, DJ Jones, bring him in.
0: Yeah, um, it's not going to happen. The 49 are going to bring him back. The question is then, with that with that mindset now, with Armstead up there and with DJ Jones up there, then that means Javon Kinlaw is a rotational backup piece, um, which I'm okay with initially because he's got to prove that he's a starter or that he can get those starter minutes. Uh, but I just think it's interesting that he went from you know being a 15th overall pick, you know, or 14th overall pick to being you know a rotational a rotational yeah. piece because of because of the injuries, of course. Um, but that's how good. D.J. Jones and Eric Armstead have been on the inside, and I almost think you can't move Armstead again be, just because of how good
1: the run game is with him in the interior. Your run stopping ability has changed drastically with him on the interior. Um, something we haven't seen. We haven't seen the run game like this. Being able to stop the run game like this, the way the Niners are doing it, with seven in the box and four down linemen. I mean, this. If you have though, I mean, if you can do that, you can beat almost any team in the league. You can compete with any team in the league because you don't have to commit eight to the box. And teams are going to have to become one-dimensional. If teams are one-dimensional, very easy to game plan and prep and understand what they want to do and how to stop it. Um, But there are some more player updates, Ant. Uh, David Lombardi kind of was one of the first people on this about practice coming out uh, yesterday with just information. So he was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, he was zipping passes. He was fine. Warner practiced. Bosa watched, but he did have his helmet. And this was just for the media portions of practice. So what did Nick Bosa do after the media left? Guess what, folks? No, Nobody, nobody knows. Nobody's gonna know. He probably did something. There's a reason he has maybe his helmet out there. Yeah. And maybe even before. Um, Jordan Willis, Ant, practiced with a high ankle sprain, and Aubrey Thomas was out there practicing as well. Although Lombardi did state he was moving a little bit slower than maybe he, you know, you wanted to see out of Aubrey Thomas. But I would be willing to bet money that's part of whatever his plan and prep work is and rehab for the whole week is. Is he's maybe not supposed to be going full speed in a lot of things
0: yeah, it's a bone bruise. So you've got to get swelling down. you've got to allow the you know the bruising to kind of recover a little bit. There's going to be inflammation and that kind of thing going on. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of stiff, uh, and they're going to try to get that down as the week goes on, of course. So that is a good sign, though, that Ombre Thomas is out there practicing. Agreed. Um, That means, you know, he's on track to play. The fact that Jordan Willis is out there with a high ankle sprain. I think he's playing. It It, it must be not that serious. It's impressive. I mean, he did finish the game, right? He went in there and powered through it. It's Um, it's either
1: not that serious or this man has a pain tolerance unlike unlike anything. Yeah. No, you just don't. You don't do it. You, You just don't do it. I have a very high pain tolerance and, and i remember when i tore mine up that first for my first high ankle sprain senior year of high school it still took me a week and a half before i got to a point where i was like i can gut this thing out and that was with a, a tape job an ankle brace a tape job and then my high top shoes going on and for ibuprofen <laughs> it, it took it took a lot to get to a point where i was like hey i can go gut this thing out from for my guys, and I wasn't anywhere near 100%. And this is what it is Jordan Willis has got to have a pain tolerance threshold that's through it's to the moon. It has to be,
0: yeah, it's impressive. And um, that's big because we need edge pass rushers and guys who can set the edge against this run game. Good old rotational Bay. pieces, yeah, it is. And then you start to bring it because before it looked like Maurice Hurst, this was going to be his time to spin. Uh, Jordan Willis being down, then you're going to play Arden Key on the outside. We all know it's better for us to have Arden Key playing on the inside. The 49ers dress nine defensive linemen against the Dallas Cowboys. I guarantee they fully intend to dress nine defensive linemen, you know, against the Green Bay Packers. And I think they want to, you know, play the same nine defensive linemen. That means Maurice Hurst is on the outside. If Jordan Willis is able to go, it's always better for the 49ers to have the rotational pieces they want to get those guys out there. Um, And it's going to be a lot of emphasis on this 49ers defensive line to get to Aaron Rodgers quickly. Because the 49ers are going to need to change up their coverage game the way they played before, where D'Amico Ryan's, you know, kind of played off, let Aaron Rodgers pick him apart a little bit with these quick throws. Of course they adjusted during the game. True. Sure. Um, but they're gonna to have to run a little bit more press man coverage or at least get up the, on there and, and and make them feel it. The only way you can do that is if this defensive line is able to stop the run, this front seven, and then that'll give those guys in the back end the opportunity to kind of, you know, give the defensive line time to get to get home and get some sacks.
1: 100% Ant. it's going to be very interesting to see how the Niners go to plan to attack this how D'Amico plans to attack this um, but we'll see we'll see what's happening there and while all of this is going on on the field you have coaches prepping Ant. you have Adam Peters having his interview with the Giants and apparently it going so well the Giants are they're, bring, they're bringing they're him in for a second interview
0: yeah I mean yeah he, he's he's a wizard um, so they're gonna like this guy a he's, lot. He's a wizard, Anthony. Yeah, they are they're gonna they're, they're gonna definitely gonna want this guy. He's one of the best to do it. Why wouldn't you want somebody that can bring in, you know, the type of organizational structure that the 49ers have? Uh, you know, Mara's family has been I mean, the whole organization's been kind of like going down for years. Um, they needed somebody to stabilize it. Adam Peters is one of those guys that you, can do it.
1: They somehow won two Super Bowls during chaos.
0: Yeah, they did, but that a lot of that is because of Tom Coughlin. Um, Tom Coughlin was a tough guy, even though he wasn't maybe the the greatest coach of all time. um, He's definitely one of those guys that coached with an iron fist and
1: brought structure. Did you you watch, have you watched any of Men in the Arena? No, I haven't. It is absolutely hysterical listening to Michael Strahan talk about that team, because Giants fans talk about that being one of the greatest Giants teams of all time, came out of nowhere. Michael Strahan literally talks about that team like, we were just if we make the playoffs, we're the luckiest team in the world. I don't even know if we have the right coach in play let alone, you know, a team that can win a Super Bowl. It's like, oh, and it, the tone doesn't change. He's like, you know, I came back to just to have fun in my last year, and we somehow walked away with a Super Bowl. He's like, I still, some to this day, sometimes can't figure out how that happened. It's like, oh,
0: my goodness well, great. Tom Coughlin wasn't the easiest coach to play for. No, he's the opposite of the easiest yeah, coach. Yeah, and play that's for. why even when he was in Jacksonville, he was a tough front office person to have around. Accurate. Um, it, it's just a different world, but you, you definitely want somebody like Adam Peters and then the thing is, is they want to make this hire pretty quick so that way he can handle the coaching search And you have all these coaching things going on right now you have Demico ryan's interviewing with the vikings even though he doesn't want to talk about it you have mcdaniels interviewing with the dolphins um and making great quotes about rappers like mike jones who uh mike jones oh okay. um and then you also and then wait 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 you see the one and only can't clone
1: yeah He's got a lot of haters and a lot of homies
0: that's right some friends some phony wow well done uh Oh, wow. Okay, anyways. um, (laughs) Sitting sideways, boys in the days. Anyways, you got Dan Quinn going up to Minnesota as well. So that's a little competition there, defensive uh, competition there. And then here come the Cowboys um, as both coordinators, Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore are both interviewing for the Dolphins' job as well. Um, So it's one of those things where it looks like Adam Peters is probably going to be gone, which means Van Carthon is probably going to stay, at least as of now. For now. And that means one of these coaches could go to the New York football giants, um, because I can see Adam Peters turning around and wanting to hire one of them. Uh, unless he wants to go with a, a, a stronger personality. Um, We'll see. Does he want to go defensive minded head coach, offensive minded head coach? Uh, but this is the, now the time that I start fearing once Adam Peters, if he does officially get hired, that's when I fear Mike McDaniels or D'Amico Ryans could be gone because I could see him wanting to turn around and hire one of them as head football coach.
1: hundred percent. hundred percent. And yeah. this is getting a little spooky um happy for peters i mean don't get me wrong extremely happy for peters I didn't, there's no there's no cap right on what you can pay
0: a front office personnel how come the yorks and 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 jed don't just call adam peters and be like hey we'll match it and when when you're gonna work hand in hand with john whenever john retires you're the guy do it I mean, why not, right? Adam Peters sense. found Omri Thomas. Adam Peters has a very good eye for I don't, talent. I
1: don't want this guy to leave. I don't I either. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're York, uh, you. I think you let him go through the interviews, you let him go through the whole process, and then, you know, after they get through the interview, once, once he gets offered a job by somebody, you call him up and just be like,
0: no, just... Yeah. I mean, because we got to remember, the team wasn't the same after Carmen Policy went to the Cleveland Browns, came and Dwight Clark. True. Um, the, the moves that they made as far as this franchise, they even tried to bring Bill Walsh back for a while because the decision making just wasn't there. No. You've got to make sure. You, now, I trust John Lynch completely, mm-hmm. uh, but John Lynch is as strong as the people around him. And so anytime you can keep great people around you, you do it. I just don't know if Jed and the Yorks are willing to get into their pocketbook to pay front office
1: personnel. I mean, it's really easy for us to sit here and say, right, take take it some extra easy. millions out of your pocket and put it in put it in peter's pocket it's really easy for us to say that it's really hard to to want to do that yeah and yet the other thing you have to remember too is there are not a lot of franchises and there's not a lot of franchises that make a lot of money while the owners are owning the team uh, there's a good chunk of franchises that lose money true while they're owners they're they are basically hemorrhaging money now they have tons of money it doesn't matter that they're hemorrhaging millions of dollars every year uh to own and operate a franchise uh But I don't know what their situation is, right? Yeah. I don't know how much money the Yorks are pulling in. I imagine with 40 million people watching the wild card game, it can't be too bad. I think a lot of people are watching 49ers football. I think that's a positive thing. I think you sold out probably every home game this year. So I don't think you really have too many issues there on that front. Um, But we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what all this means. Um, I guess merch sales. Merch sales will play a role in this as well in and, and concessions. So hopefully 49ers fans were buying lots of stuff, well, I mean, yeah. and they can pay Peters.
0: There's a lot of recovery coming from the 2020 season, though. There is uh, Everyone kind of took a hit on that, and so there's a recovery there. But it's going to be going the upwards, uh, Tick. Um, the playoffs overall ratings were up to over 20% from True. last year, uh, and it's closer to what it was about seven years ago. So ratings are back up for the NFL, which is good news for the owners good news for the players um good news for the product cuz that means it's turning in the right direction people are watching football again and as long as they are that means the salary cap's going to go up and then for us you know that that helps our favorite teams cuz we're able to bring the players that we love the most back whether that's Debo Samuel Nick Bosa um whoever it is so those are all things that are trending in the right direction for the 49ers because they are built you know for probably 2023 I mean 2022 they're going to they're going to probably double down and go after this but uh 2023 is the year where they're really built to build something for the you know, big
1: time. Agreed with you. Uh, Here's the, I guess, the only bit of good news, Ant, Ooh. for the Adam Peters situation. Uh, Tom Pellicero added that there are three finalists for that job opening. So there's three people coming in for what would be essentially their second interview and probably the last round of interviews that they're doing. Bill's assistant general manager, Joe Schoen, and Kansas City Chiefs executive director of player personnel, Ryan Poles. So you have two other organizations and franchises that are having a lot of success right now, hitting on draft picks, doing the things of that nature. So there is competition there for Adam Peters. We are very high on Adam Peters. So for us, this feels like it's going to be a no brainer, but the giants very well could go a different direction with one of these other guys who are working for very, very prominent front offices and very successful teams right now in the NFL.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you, right, right in your backyard, right with Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're going to have a offensive coordinator. That's probably going to become a head coach. That would make sense, especially if you want to have an offensive minded guy. Um, strategically, if you look at those three names you just named, what are they all tied to? A very, very good offensive coordinator or, you know, a smart mind. You have uh Mike McDaniels here with Adam Peters. Um and then who'd you bring up the Kansas City guy? I, I didn't remember the name. Um, but he's tied with Eric Bieniemy.
1: He uh, is tied with Bieniemy. Uh, go... it's uh uh Ryan Poles.
0: There you go. Um he could go with Eric Bieniemy, and then of course you got Mr. Buffalo Bills and then you got their offensive coordinator there, Dabble. So mm-hmm uh to me that makes sense it looks like they're going to go offense in that
1: direction and then that co- whatever co- a coach from one of those teams is coming over you, or that would be their their push right that's what they would want ideally
0: ideally yes. it, it seems like that's their direction it just makes the most sense to me um of course i mean peters could always go to miko ryan's but i don't think they're going defensive coordinator i think they're going offensive mind with joe judge being the special teams guy that he was
1: uh i i agree with you there especially with the struggles of the offense. This this. Last few years with Joe Judge under the helm, like, I guess is the right way to say it. And probably need to move on from Daniel Jones. Maybe. Yes. I, I, yeah, he needs to go. He's yeah. bad. He's not good. He'd be a fine backup somewhere.
0: Yeah, I think so. In fact, I would love to have him in San Francisco as a backup. Yeah. Um, let him back up Trey Lance in the, in the future. I, I think his skill set and stuff, he could definitely back up Trey Lance. Uh, he could run the offense. I mean, it wouldn't be as efficient as Trey Lance. It wouldn't be as good as him. No, but, he, uh, but can,
1: he can run the football. He hey, is under he's underappreciated as a runner.
0: Yeah, and, and in Kyle Shanahan's offense, I mean, you could have some more defined reads and things. Um, You know, maybe you could develop. This is our conversation True. we've had about Mitchell Trubisky as well. I would love to have Mitchell Trubisky be the backup quarterback for the Niners.
1: Me too.
0: Yeah, I think those are good situations. Um, so we'll see. Well, this hey, is, he, can go from,
1: he can go from MVP to backup of the Bills to backup for the 49ers.
0: Yeah, I think this is all uh intriguing, though. You know, whatever decision the Giants make there, I hope it's not Adam Peters now. But i know, just, I, I guess i just value him so much i think it's a foregone conclusion
1: that's that's why I'm, yeah. I'm at two which is why when i read the rest of it read the rest of the article and saw the other names associated i was like oh maybe this isn't as clear cut as we thought if it was like jacksonville jaguars for not or you know maybe not the titans but i mean just another team that it's kind of mediocre right in the middle of things and yeah. maybe he's hit on some draft picks but the team overall itself hasn't been I'd be like, yeah, it's probably just going to be Peters. The fact that it's the Bills and the Chiefs front office personnel that are also front runners for the job, it just kind of makes me feel like maybe maybe we're not screwed here and Peters isn't going to go here. Um, but there's still some other uh, openings, and including the Vegas Raiders and, and a couple other teams.
0: Yeah, the fact that Vegas Raiders are talking to coaches first, though, because I know they're interviewing their interim coach, uh, it it kind of makes you wonder if they're going to go the the forty niners route before and go Kyle Shanahan and let him choose the coach. There is kind of thing. There, I mean, uh, GM.
1: There is a push right now from some Raiders fans to keep the the special teams guy who took over.
0: Yeah, he did actually did a, a pretty did. Good, decent job. He did. Um, but you the the marriage between GM and coach is a real thing. Uh, so you need to have a good relationship there. So it's going to have to be somebody that he feels comfortable with. Will they just promote from within? What will they do? Um, I don't think Mayock did a terrible job in building that roster. I thought they had some talent. Did they have some misses? Absolutely. Yeah, but
1: uh, some of those misses, I don't know if they're on Mayock.
0: Well, Alex Leatherwood is on Mayock.
1: That, that one's on that one's on, that one's
0: on. That one's really bad. I mean, he, he, he already got moved to guard and then right guard and then still struggled. Um, but we both had third-round grades on him. You know what I mean? So
1: Accurate. I mean, we definitely so, had third-round grades on him. And in all honesty, I think we both said he's probably better as a guard in yeah. the league.
0: Yeah. I mean, he definitely wasn't a left tackle. No. Uh so I mean, th- this at is at best right tackle. Um I think I think my biggest fear is that that Adam Peters would end up in Las Vegas as well because I think that's another landing spot for him because he's so smart. He's been in the AFC West before, so it's he true. understands the division. Um so I mean, he's going to get an opportunity. I am just once again, I'm just being selfish. Um these guys deserve a D'Amico uh and Adam Peters and Mike McDaniel's—they all deserve jobs. True. Um, just not this year. Just don't do it. Just not this year.
1: True. I I agree. Not <laughs> this year at all. It's um, but Mike McDaniel's has been talking about Jimmy a little bit, and both coaches have had actually a lot to say this this week. And and you know yesterday was their day, uh, to talk to the media, and they they both said a lot of things. Uh, but McDaniel's not too concerned, um, with Jimmy. Uh, in fact, it, he had his interview before practice. He said the practice is yet to happen, but if I were a crystal ball reader. Which I declare that I'm not. I I declare that I'm not. I would anticipate him throwing it well today and moving forward from there. I love Mike McDaniels, the quirky set him again that, that that he is. Um, and then there was all obviously the, the Mike Jones thing in the press here yesterday where a reporter, Mike Jones, asked a question and he said, Mike Jones from whatever, you know, or, or news organization he's from and he said, Who? Mike Jones? And so uh, you just tip your hat to you just tip your hat to Mike McDaniels, man. He, he's so He's a kid. He's a kid at heart. And I think that's why he relates so, so, well, so well, to these athletes, right. Is, you know, he's serious when he needs to be serious, but he knows how to kind of just let loose and have a good time, which I think is probably a nice balance to Kyle Shanahan's, you know, stoic strict demeanor until, you know, it's, it's time to, you know, not be that guy. Kyle knows kind of like how to play and what to do. And I love that, you know, he, he mentioned McDaniels is an acquired taste, um, but it's, it's, it's just something that works. The way Mike McDaniels is, it's just it's working with these with this team with these guys, and I have a hard time believing that it would go somewhere else and not translate.
0: Uh, he's too smart. I mean, the quarterback collective's been putting up some some videos about him talking about um not just reads from a quarterback, but also about blocking situations. Uh you can see the insight and intelligence that he's gonna bring to a football team. To me, he's just one of those guys that can knock it out of the park. Um, you go ahead and you listen to what Jimmy said a couple days ago, where Jimmy is talking about how smart he is. Um, and that, you know, he has fresh looks at everything. Um, he didn't say, he wanted to say he was the, at one point said he's smarter than all of us. Um, and then he said he's one of the smartest. I, I think he didn't want to slight Kyle Shanahan in that situation. But I think we all understand how how important uh, Mike McDaniels has been to this run game and been to Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan has had him every stop along the way. And I think Mike McDaniels is one of those guys that's well-equipped uh, to be a big-time coach in this league. He's got everything he needs to have. Whenever you can get a team to buy into you, um, then you can lead men, and he he can definitely do that. It's a little bit of a different circumstance. It's not a guy that's played football, um, but they're going to have mad respect for the type of knowledge and the way that he approaches his players. I think it is refreshing, and his outlook on the way he calls offense as far as like helping Kyle, because they all have different parts that they put together of the game plan, and then they come together and make it one collective unit. Um, and he does that with the run game. He's been the run game coordinator for a while, and you've seen the steps that this run game has had over the years, how it's changed. Uh, so Mike McDaniel is one of those smart guys. I'm just I'm hoping that no one else figures it out yet because I think he is one of the smartest guys in the league. And I think once he gets a hold of a football team, uh, he's going to be dangerous for everyone that's going against him. Uh, he's like Maverick right now. He's putting his shades on. And he's saying, "You're right. I am dangerous. <laughs> um, that's who Mike McDaniel is." And somebody's going to figure it out. When they do, he's going to he's going to lead a football team to a lot of wins um, and probably a championship. That's how much faith I have in him as you know an individual and as a coach.
1: Agreed with you there. And just just for you. Thank you. You know, I just got to give you some top gun love there and, and show Mike McDaniel some top gun love yeah, as, as well. Yeah, I like that. Uh, D'Amico Ryans, though, Ant, D'Amico Ryans had some things to say. Number one, he's hopeful that Bosa is going to be playing this weekend. Um, he said, you know, he thinks he's coming along well. He's been kind of going through the protocol. Hopefully he's going to be fine by the end of the week. We definitely need him out there based on what we saw or what we're hearing from, from practice yesterday. Um, positive things for Bosa being out there with the helmet. You know, probably doing some stuff, going through some some processes as well. But he also had some very interesting comments about the Green Bay Packers, Ant. what did he say?
0: Yeah, the way he kind of phrased it was like they're the same team, and the the way it sounds because you, I mean, as of course as a football unit, you want to get better. You don't want to be thought of as the same team. Um, and then he kind of you know talks about the fact that they're just well oiled machine. They execute at a high level. They don't turn over the football. Um, they're getting more healthy. All the things you expect a coach to say. But I think that that is a an interesting way of saying it. Now, of course, this is my interpretation of what he said. Is that the way he said it was like they're the same team? Um, is he implying that they haven't got better, Alex? I don't know. But he, what he is implying is that they don't. They're not doing anything different that they did in week three. That the same things that work for them then are going to work for them now, and vice versa. So. It's, it's an interesting way to, you know, start that conversation. Um, I think he did a good job of, of making sure that he, you know, went through the things that they did. But what, that made me eye open because um, just yesterday's episode, we were talking about the fact we went back and watched the game and the differences between the 49ers then and the 49ers now were stark. They were huge. You can tell the difference. And then with the Packers, I just said, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing they got a lot better, too. Um, I didn't watch a lot of their film you know, beyond that. And I went back and watched a little bit of their late season stuff. A little bit. Um, I understand what Demico
1: Ryan is talking about. Listen, there's not, there's not a change. There's not a shift in identity. There's not a shift in terms of how they execute or what they do. But when they run the ball effectively and efficiently, they have success. When they don't, games are closer than they need to be. The Green Bay Packers, in a nutshell, and I think what D'Amico Ryan said and how he clarified afterwards is not to say that they aren't good or anything, but he talked about them being a well-oiled machine and that they're just efficient. That's what Green Bay is. Um, Green Bay is is a team that just it does what it's supposed to do at a high level and they execute it very well. And even if you know what's coming, sometimes it just doesn't matter, right? It just doesn't matter. Yeah, the guy playing the coverage right, sitting over the top of the on the fade route, there's really nothing there. And Aaron Rodgers puts his foot in the ground, releases the ball, and throws a perfect back shoulder throw to Devontae Adams on time and rhythm. And it's like what he's supposed to do. It's like it was designed. It's like he drew it up. It's like they drew it up that way. And you know, I'm I'm watching it, and I've seen tons of people talking about it, and and I've had this conversation with with my brother and a couple other people who watch Aaron Rodgers play. And it's like, you know, are they is that the play? Like he's just supposed to throw it? And I was like, no, it's not. It's not. It's not designed to be a back shoulder throw. A lot of the times, it's designed to be a vertical and. Aaron is in game in the moment and Devante in game in the moment. Just understanding I, I got over the top. I, I, I can't beat him. This guy over the top. I don't have anything. And rather than trying to push this thing vertical, I'm just going to push this thing and, and keep this guy on top of the route and give Aaron a chance to throw it behind me and let me go make a play. And Aaron knows it. And he throws it at perfect, almost perfect every time. It is crazy how efficient they are. I almost can't wrap my head around it Ant, because it just it's effortless. That's how it looks is effortless. And I, I get what D'Amico is trying to say with this team is it doesn't look like anything's changed because for them really nothing has. Um, They get to be who they want to be. They get to do what they want to do. Uh, and they've been doing it pretty much all season outside of a handful of football games that haven't gone their way. The good news if you're the Niners is because they're not doing a lot of things differently, two things. Number one, you know what they want to do and how they're going to do it. So it's all about, you know, okay, have you improved from the first meeting to, to now and, and the second thing is, is that they shouldn't run away with the football game because they haven't really run away with a lot of football games this year. So that means you ha- you're going to be in a position where as long as you execute and do the things you're supposed to do, even if it's like week, the week three game where you don't necessarily play your best game, you'll have an opportunity to win at the end and you just have to be slightly better than you were the last time you played them in order to be that team. But there is one scary aspect to that, the one scary dynamic to it. If they haven't changed or haven't really done a lot of things differently are they holding all of their cards right now are they have they not really shown anything and they still have the whole hand and deck to play with and if that's the case well if you're not prepared for everything that you have to see you may find yourself in a bad spot i don't believe that to be the case i i don't think that's been the case with this packers team watching 2019 game back watching the 2020 game back Watching the 2021 week three game back against this football team, what I've seen, I think they're very well prepared and have a very good understanding of what Matt LaFleur in that offense wants to do and how they're going to try and do it.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think Kyle Shannon has an understanding of what LaFleur does. Um, And there were games that LaFleur needed to win this season, so he was going to tip his hand on some things. Uh, There are definitely some schematic things that he's given away, and D'Amico Ryans and Kyle Shannon are going to be able to go through those and figure it out. Um, and you got Mike McDaniels, who spent a lot of time with them too. I mean, that's one of those things. Big Vey, Kyle Shanahan, and LaFleur spent a lot of time together in a lot of different organizations. And it definitely gave Kyle Shanahan an understanding of how those guys are. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how this thing plays out. But you're, I think that D'Amico Ryans, you know, he's right, that they are a well-oiled machine. They're a good football team. Um, they can get after you in, in a multitude of ways. Uh, but the the, kind of the method for the Forty ers and the blueprint hasn't changed at all. Um, the, thing, the same things you wanted to do against Dallas, the same things you wanted to do against the Rams, you want to do against the Green Bay Packers. If you hold them under 100 yards rushing, you have an opportunity to win the game because that means that, yeah, you forced Aaron to throw. Um, And I get I get some comments in my inboxes about, hey, you better be ready. Aaron's going to throw it 80% of the time. Okay, if he throws it 80% of the time, the 49ers have a good chance to win um, because they have to establish a run game or these defensive lines going to be able to get after you. Uh, so I think that this is one of those interesting things where as, as pivotal as Aaron Rodgers is, and he's going to make some big-time plays in this game, that's just who he is, um, it doesn't always hinge completely on him. It does it does hinge a little bit on this run game. And if this run game, it was good against the 49ers in Week 3. Don't get me wrong. 100% But it if it's not better, um, then the 49ers are going to be able to stop him because the 49ers' defensive front and the way that the front seven is playing the run is, I mean, extraordinarily, extraordinarily better. Oh, than it was in week three. It's not even close. Um, and I think that the Green Bay Packers run game has to be better to beat it. And if they can't, then once again, the 49ers are going to be able to take some chances in the secondary and really lock these guys down. Um, and Troy Aikman had some weird, interesting, com- well, I don't know about weird, but interesting comments about that, uh, where he talked about how the 49ers really took CD Lamb away. And sometimes they just played off. And they, Dak and, and them weren't really willing to just have CD go out there and run a stop route. He said, in fact, if he was playing quarterback with Michael Irvin out there, uh, Irvin would have had 10 catches for over a hundred yards in the first.
1: <laughs> I like that. Ant. Yeah, I, I like that there. Uh, look, I, what have we, uh, what I've seen from green Bay all season long consistently is, is a team that when they do certain things, they win football games. And when they don't do certain things, they don't win football games. Um, the first game of the year, they rushed for 43 yards and lost the football. Not a good thing. Not a good stat line. When they played Kansas city, a very tight contested game that they, that they lost. They rushed for uh, excuse me, 122 yards on that game. The problem was, and the, and the big issue in that game wasn't the fact that they rushed for 122, it was the fact that they turned the ball over two
0: times.: Yeah.
1: when you turn the ball over two times like that, that's, that's a problem. Uh, Green Bay, though, on the season one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games with turnovers. Three of those games with turnovers are losses. And in all three of those games, you turn the ball over more than one. If you're the 49ers, that's one of the recipes for success is finding a way to create some turnovers and create some opportunities uh, to get some picks. Those are are important. Those are huge. The only other loss on the schedule in which they don't turn the ball over is to the Minnesota Vikings. It was at Minnesota in which they rushed for 95 yards, a very one-dimensional game in which Minnesota was able to establish the run game, slow down the run, make Aaron Rodgers be one-dimensional, and Aaron Rodgers was. He threw for 372 yards, which is a nice number, but the problem is is that you weren't able to necessarily slow them down they were able to to hold on to the football for longer than maybe you'd like them to and, and that leads to situations where you know the, your opponent in this case the Minnesota vikings can have success um and they've played a lot of very similar teams that the niners have this year i don't think people realize how similar their schedules were in terms of opponents that they faced um you have a lions team that they played, that they molly early and then they lost at the end of the season Yes, their starters only only played a half of the football game, um, but they took care of the Lions very well, and the Niners took care of the Lions right. very well until the last uh, few minutes of the game. Uh, then you have, obviously, they played each other. It was a two-point loss. You have a Bengals win by three in overtime. Huh. Sounds familiar. I think the Niners did something like that. Uh, the Bears game, the first time they played them was a yeah. 10-point win, only a 10-point win. The second time, and they gave up 30. 30 points to the Chicago Bears. Uh Played the Rams, beat them 36-28. to 28. Um, Minnesota, they lost to 34-31, and then shellacked with uh, no Kirk Cousins, 37-10. to 10. And Kind of a, a, a misnomer, it's an outlier. And then the Ravens, a team that collapsed late in the year and was at a time when they were collapsing, they only beat them 31-30. to They beat the Browns at a time where they were collapsing only 24-22. to This is a Green Bay team that hasn't necessarily put teams away um they haven't beaten teams down even though they're the more talented team with a better quarterback and and you know at that point of the season in both of those last two games there were healthier football teams um that's not it's not who green bay has been all year they haven't necessarily dealt with the adversity the niners have and i think that's what i think that's the biggest thing that plays into this game is yeah we've played a lot of the same opponents and yeah there's been some similar outcomes in some and the packers have played a lot of tight games but the packers have just won those tight games yeah, and, and in some cases they were up big and just let a team
0: back in. Um, they were up big against the 49ers and let the team back in. True, uh, seventeen zero is a big enough win, that you're a big enough lead that you should be able to win. You get the big, you know, kick return by Trenton Cannon, which uh, let's pay attention to what the 49ers do in the return game, uh, because that was a big momentum change in that game. Huge, and you end up having Kyle Shannon on a fourth and goal from the one yard line, going with Trey Lance on the run, <laughs> and getting a touchdown, and that changed the game. You know, it changed the whole method of the game. The close Forty ers come out. Mark right down the field um, and get things going. And we saw that sort of thing happen against the Rams. So no safe or no lead will feel safe against the 49ers. The 49ers can do it anyway. The key is not allowing that to happen. Don't get down 17 against the Green Bay Packers. No. You really do have an opportunity to get after them. And I think that if they get after them early, um, they're, they're going to be able to hang in there until the end. So I think this, these two teams are close. And, um, you know, it's going to come down to the, the, the turnovers. You know, don't turn over the football and you have a chance to win
1: don't turn over the football. You'll have a chance to win it. I I agree with you there. Uh, And you got to find a way to slow down that run game. Um, And look, I I think the Niners can definitely get that done. I think they can accomplish that. And a lot of the players feel the same way Uh, because you got George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, uh, D'Amico Ryan. You got a lot of guys coming out and, and saying a lot of positive things about this team and just what they are right now and who they are. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, George, George Kittle said, I think the biggest thing that's changed about our offense is I think we kind of have a different identity than we did back then in week three, when we first played them, obviously Debo is running the ball a lot more. And I would say this on top of that, if you go back and watch that game, we were kind of sloppy all over the field, whether it was protections, the run game targeting, no matter what it is, um, we're still trying to find our footing. We still, we still made it a really good game there at the end until the last second field goal. Um, so, look, George, I think, feels a certain way. I know Ayuka said the same thing. He watched the the Sunday night the Sunday game against the Cowboys almost after it happened. He started watching it back. Monday, got in the film room, and Started watching film of the, the, the Packers yeah. game. Feels like the team's come a long way. Uh, and then we had a guy like Charles Amenehu who came out, and they asked him, you know, what's it like being in San Francisco compared to Houston? And he said, it's not a circus show here. Um, in Houston, it felt like you had a coach and GM and, and president and all these people. Basically, pulling the team in different directions and wanting different things. You don't know what's what on any given day. Here, everyone's on the same page. Kyle and John, same page. They want the same things. Very easy to know what what is expected of you when everyone wants the same thing from you. Um, We've been saying this about this team. A lot of people have been saying that wasn't the case, right? There was no plan. John Lynch needs to be fired. He doesn't know how to draft. Kyle Shanahan, fired, doesn't know what he's doing with these players. These guys are underperforming the whole nine. It was just an execution thing. Um, It was an identity thing. It was trying to find out how are we going to be the team we were in 2019. Very similar with similar pieces. How can we be something closer to that, with different people trying to pull the basically pulling the strings, right? And you found the formula now with with Elijah Mitchell. You found the formula with a uh, with Debo Samuel. Jimmy Garoppolo is is returned to a form that you know we all recognize and and appreciate the things he can do. Is the mistakes still there? Yes, he's human. He's going to make them. Is he injured right now? Absolutely. Which means. Things get tougher in terms of him being able to execute the level you need him to, but he's doing it enough. He's been doing enough for us to win football games, so as long as that stays and that remains and he can clean up those things in the process, George Kittle continues to get better, the O-line continues to play at the level they're playing at, and the defense continues to elevate and do the things that it's done the last seven, eight weeks. I mean, this, this team has everything it needs. Yeah. We've been saying and we've been saying that since before trade deadline. We don't. We said, yeah, I don't think you need to make a trade necessarily. I don't think there's anyone you have to bring in. It's just about getting this this group right here, the pieces you have in house, to figure out how to do what you need them to do for four quarters.
0: Yeah, and Charles Minnie was a great trade pickup at the trade deadline. Huge. Um, he's paid huge dividends, including two sacks last week against Dallas. Uh, you're right, though. I, I think that this team found its way. You know, along the way. Um, you know, they've kind of went through different methods of figuring out who they are. And of course, in 2019, um, they came a long ways to finding Raheem Mostert as a starting running back and the dynamic back that was going to be able to, you know, dominate that NFC championship game for over 220 yards. Um, it's one of those things that it's just, it's different now. Um, but what they did was find a way. And early in the season, you had questions at the, the running back position. Once Raheem was hurt, you went into the season, believing Raheem was going to, you know, do certain things and you were going to have Elijah Mitchell to go in and spell him. So you had an idea of how you wanted to attack using, you know, the outside zone and that. Um, and then once Raheem Mostert went down, these defenses changed the way they approached playing you. So the Kyle Shannon had to adjust. Mike McDaniels had to adjust. And then Elijah Mitchell was out. And Elijah, once Elijah Mitchell went out, you went with a makeshift running back room. Jamichael Hasty wasn't there. And you had Trey Sermon. You had Carryon Johnson. Um, and whoever else they decided to bring in. I mean, that's basically what it came down to. So there was lots of decisions that had to be made and along the way, the 4 found a blueprint for victory. Um, kind of as this season was going on and the pressure was on, uh, it created some situations and now they're using Debo Samuel in a unique uh, different way than anyone that's ever used a wide receiver. The fact that Debo had to name it wide back, I mean um, because people wanted to put it into a box, this is something we talked about on face off uh, is people wanted to put a gadget type you know term on it, including Jay Hill. Um, and that's not what it's about. It's just the wide receiver position has taken kind of a turn because now you have do-it-all people like Debo Samuel. Right now, there's one of one in what Debo Samuel can do. Uh, but the vision for Kyle Shanahan hasn't shifted. But when they've seen what Debo could do, uh, congratulations to them and, and good up on them for going ahead and taking uh, taking advantage of all his skill sets that he has and using those skill sets not, not to just put him in the best situation, but the team in the best situation. And any time that you score a touchdown every seven and a half you know, times you carry the football, um, that is a good situation to be in. If you t- looked at his numbers and you you know ex- made them happen over an eight or 17-game season, Debo were to rush for over 2,000 yards. That's how dynamic he's been. So I, I think that this offense is definitely different than it was in Week 3. The weapons, the way they're using them is different. Less uh, two tight end sets, more three wide receiver sets. It has been fun to watch. They found their identity. They found the way they want to play and shockingly it is not the same as 2019 but it's very similar
1: it is it's, it's very similar it's oddly similar and uh listen we're going to see what what that means going into this weekend um you know 2019 was a, a good year for the Niners against the Green Bay Packers in the in the playoffs it was a good year in the regular season as well um this year not so much than in the regular season you had the 2 point loss but maybe you can right the ship and course correct right now and and find a way to to get back um, you know, just because a team beat you in the regular season doesn't mean that you can't take care of business in the playoffs. Nope. Um, sometimes it's the inverse in certain years and certain organizations and franchises, I guess, because the Saints have the Bucks number in the regular season. And, and I I had a fi- I have a feeling I think you and I both feel if the Saints had somehow found a way to make the playoffs, um, the Bucks would have absolutely slaughtered them in the first round of, uh, round of the playoffs, and there would have been no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, so look, I, there's no all the regular season does is give you an opportunity to put yourself in a position where you can be at home hopefully in the playoffs or put yourself in a position where you can improve put something on tape and find a way to improving it better for it when it matters most it matters most now that that right now is is the most important game matchup um the past is the past you can glean things from the past but you can't dwell on it Uh, you can't dwell on the fact that the niners have in the playoffs taking care of business against the packers but you also on the inverse and the flip side can't dwell on the fact that the, you know, the last handful of times that you've played the Green Bay Packers, dating back to the 2020 season, you haven't found a way to come out with a big win. In fact, LaFleur has gotten one over on Kyle Shanahan uh, in each of the last two years. Are
0: we going to count 2020?
1: You have to count it. It happened, but
0: it is I mean, what it is. I mean,
1: if you look at... That game was, by the way, that game is so hard you, to watch. You
0: have, you have everyone... Trent Williams out with COVID. Brian Newcomb is out with COVID. <clears> you had all these guys out. You have Debo Samuels out with the hamstring. Pick, Rich, pick Mullins throwing picks. Richie James is your, your wide receiver that's getting it done in that game um he's not even on the he's not even on the football team okay and then you've got you've got the situation this last year so that year there's no wide receivers this year there's no running backs when you go into the game you're going in trey sermon it's only his third game ever as a player in the nfl um so far i mean i don't i know there's no excuses now but there were sure as heck excuses then because you had nothing what do you need to do as a 49ers team you need to establish a run game you have to actually have guys to be able to establish that run game. You have question marks on the offensive line. They've definitely, you know, shirred those things up.
1: Center position is better. Um,
0: Alex Mack hasn't given up a quarterback sack in like six weeks. In fact, I don't even think he's given up a quarterback pressure. Yeah,
1: he's playing. um He's, he's playing his best football right he's now. He's playing at a
0: high high level. Uh, And then you got, you know, other guys playing at high levels as well. Tom Compton has played at a very high level. He has done very good in replace of Mike McGlinchey
1: 100% and he's done incredible and actually now you know we've we've talked about this is brings up questions for next year what you do with the old line but that that's for next year um but I, there's a, a former 49er that's out there in the ether putting stuff out there about Jimmy Garoppolo mm. and about what needs to happen going forward for the 49ers there's a lot of talk about the 49ers quarterback position and and what what's what the future holds I guess is the best way to say it and, and what's in store for next year? We've on this podcast said numerous, countless times that you're most likely rolling with Jimmy G this year and going to Trey Lance next year. It's the thing that makes the most logical sense. Peter King has come out and said, ah, not so fast. Even if there's a first round pick, maybe Jimmy needs to be the guy. And now Richard Sherman is essentially saying the same thing, that Jimmy should be the quarterback in 2022.
0: Yeah, he did say that. And you're right, Peter King is saying that. Um, There is a market now for Jimmy Garoppolo. And, huge,
1: huge market, and, by the way. Yeah, and,
0: and really what it comes down to is there's not going to be a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be free agents. That's number one. Accurate. Number two, you're going into a draft that doesn't have the, the quarterback class that it had last year.
1: Were you surprised to hear the reports coming out about the Steelers wanting to draft a quarterback high in the upcoming draft rather than sign a veteran? I'm a little
0: surprised. Um, But what that does mean is a Jimmy Garoppolo sounds like a real option for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because one year of Jimmy Garoppolo there as a bridge quarterback would make sense, right? You're going to draft someone young. Uh, do you really want to go through that full, you know, year? You've seen what happened with Trevor Lawrence. You've seen what happened with Zach Wilson. Uh, they struggled in their first year, and the team struggled because of it. Pittsburgh fans expect more. Um, that organization, the Rooney family, they expect more. So I I look for them to do something like that, which makes them in play for for Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, what I can't figure out is I know Richard Sherman really does like Jimmy Garoppolo. He does. He was fan. very, very uh, complimentary of him when they first came. That was one of the reasons he came to San Francisco was he believed Jimmy Garoppolo could win a championship. Jimmy Garoppolo got him there. Everyone respects Jimmy as a player. How much of this is Richard Sherman being just a good guy and talking you know, talking him up? And how much of this, this is him just giving an extra nod to the organization and being like, I'm going to boost his trade value a little bit more. Um, by saying, that, you know what, he should still be the starting quarterback. It, it, it could be true. I don't know. I think... Or is he playing games for the Bucks? I don't think so. I think I honestly don't think he has... Because I don't think he has an ill will towards Jimmy Garoppolo. And or, I don't think or, the, in, or the 49ers. I don't think he's invested enough in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think if they won a Super Bowl and he got an extra ring, he'd cool. be indifferent about it. He? I don't think he's going to care. No, I don't think he'll care about I, that. But he definitely... He, he loves people inside the 49ers organization. True. I honestly believe this is just him... Having a tipping it, you know, his cap to Jimmy Garoppolo, and saying, you know what, Jimmy is still that guy. I still have faith in Jimmy Garoppolo as a guy, and this is what. And what a couple weeks ago, it was. This is why people. Oh, actually, last week, this oh. is why the people love Jimmy Garoppolo in that locker <clears throat> room because of who he is. Um, I think he just thinks Jimmy's a good guy. But I wanted to throw out something else out there just in case. You never know what's going on with Richard Hey,
1: Sherman. look, it, Richard Sherman isn't the only one that, that believes that. The entire locker room b- believes in, in Jimmy Garoppolo. They believe that this guy, you know, can't be Do you the think answer. they
0: believe in Jimmy Garoppolo for 2022 over Trey Lance? With what Kyle Juszczyk said to Jimmy in week 18.
1: I don't, see, this is what I mean. I think, I think everyone knows the most likely scenario is Jimmy's gone. I think Jimmy knows that. I think Kyle knows that. I know George knows that. I think everyone knows that. Is it out of the realm of possibility? No, I mean, I've, I've flirted, I've flirted with the idea a lot, and I've talked about it along the yeah. pod what it would take. It would obviously take a Super Bowl, and I, I jokingly said that I don't even know if it'd take a Super Bowl after everything that we've been through this year with this team. Getting us to an NFC Championship game might be enough to get him the job next. Keep him oh, so in San Francisco. Come, you've come back to the NFC I've Championship game. I've kind of come back to the NFC Championship game. I think getting us there would just be something that I think, I think it would. Enough fans would be happy with the fact that we got back to the NFC Championship game with Jimmy, that if you weren't 100% sold that Trey is ready quite yet, that he needs a little bit more time, that you may roll with Jimmy into the start of the next season, knowing that if at any point Trey gets himself to a point where he's like, you're sitting there going, all right, we can't not have this kid on the field, that you could trade Jimmy at the midway point or before the midway point and still get the value you need from him because he's going to continue... I I don't see Jimmy Garoppolo dropping off of the cliff. I just I don't. The way the the way yeah. the early season went this year, a lot of people thought that that was the cliff. That's the worst we've seen Jimmy play early in this football season. He's been the guy we all thought he could be since then.
0: Two questions for you okay. about this. Number 1, do you think that the injuries that he's going through right now would also make them pause because right now you're not getting the best version of Jimmy Garoppolo because he's injured. So does it prove again that he just he just can't stay healthy. Um, it does. Yeah, and then and then the second part of that is the money. Um, it's going to be twenty four point nine million dollars against the, the salary cap. Can you afford to keep this roster together in 2022 if Jimmy Garoppolo is still on
1: the books for $24.9 million? Yes, because you're just going to extend him and push some of that money down the road, and he's going to make less money. I mean, the reality is, right, when you paid Jimmy Garoppolo what you paid him, you paid him off of five starts in which he did incredible things, won five football games. Yeah. But you had no stats to base all those numbers off of. You were basing it off of what you thought he could be the high end, right? Mm -hmm. What has he shown? He has shown that he's not a guy that's going to put up 4,000, 5,000 passing yards and throw for 30 touchdowns. Not who he is. But guess what? He doesn't command $25 million anymore going forward with his next contract. Why not? Not putting up those numbers to reflect that. A, a lot of it's numbers-based. I get that he wins football games. I get that. Well,
0: and that's what his team is going to say, right? Agreed. You, you just went back to the NFC but he's championship not, game.
1: But he's not healthy. But he, and he hasn't been healthy consistently. Mm-hmm. The entirety of his time there. Right. That's going to eat, I think, the biggest chunk of whatever future potential earnings in San Francisco that could be had. That, I think that's going to be the big thing that comes down to it. Does Jimmy want to stay? If Jimmy wanted to stay and the Niners wanted to find a way to push that money out make, give him a little bit less and, and keep him around, then Jimmy knows he's going to have to take some sort of discount because he hasn't been available in San Francisco. You have the future behind him in Trey Lance. You don't have to take the risk and overpay him to keep him here because you have the guy behind him necessarily that you can just turn to whenever you feel like it. I think Jimmy knows that as well. Somewhere else that doesn't have that option sitting behind him may have to overpay him the money because he does win football games. He does give your team an opportunity to be in every game, go to a playoffs, make a deep run because he's efficient, effective, does what he needs to do, um, and, and you he's consistent. You know what he is. You know what he's going to be. Um, and it's very rare that you you just get those performances from Jimmy where it's three picks, a bunch of turnovers. He's not he's going to have moments where he struggles, right, and throws a couple of picks and does some things you don't want him to do. But he's not going to put together a performance like we've seen from the Kirk Cousins of the world where he throws four picks and two of them are pick sixes. He doesn't have those type of games where he liter- literally shoots your team in the foot before you get to halftime of a football game and gives you absolutely no chance.
0: I think that I'm going to stick to my guns and say that the only way Jimmy Garoppolo is going to come back is if they win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, I think if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, it not only proves that he got them over the hump, but he also got them to two Super Bowls in, in three years. True. Um, whether he's getting carried by a defense or carried by a run game, uh, it really doesn't matter because he's the one pulling the trigger in certain situations. So if Kyle and John believe that they needed to bring him back and they needed to try to sit there another year, and this team could, would buy into, hey, let's run it back, then I think that everyone would rally together. So it would put your team in a good situation.
1: I think you also don't, I think if, if that happens again next year, you don't end up having a situation where it's like, Trey needs to, Trey needs to, Trey needs, I, I think, all of that talk kind of quiets down. No, you don't think so. You don't think
0: there's no way that the Trey needs. What if, group if will go away. if
1: but if, but if the Niners win the Super Bowl and Jimmy sticks around, the,
0: the, there will be a loud portion of the fan base. Oh. The, and this is the part that's been, they've Gosh. been completely objective the entire time, right? They like Trey. They, they like Jimmy. They just want, who's going to be best for the 49ers. Um, those people are going to then go, you know what? Jimmy did it for us. It's a lot like Steve. They'll be like, Hey, he did it for us. We can back Jimmy. The problem is there's still gonna be that other group that is just always gonna wait for Trey Lance. They want Trey Lance. They're never gonna stop until they get Trey Lance. There was that group for Steve
1: Young. There really was, Alex. Um, it's hard. It's so hard. This is what I mean. I didn't grow up with this. Yeah. I, I grew up with Joe on the outs and it it being Steve's team. So well, I didn't get to experience this. At no point ever in my fandom did I ever say, I am so glad. They got rid of Joe Montana so that I could enjoy Steve. As much as Steve Young growing up was my favorite 49ers quarterback because I grew up with Steve Young. I didn't grow up with Joe Montana. And I would say that and people would lose their minds and be like, hold on a second. I didn't grow up with Joe. I've only ever grown up with Steve. So, of course, I wouldn't take Steve over Joe. If you give me a choice, I'm taking Joe Montana. But Steve is the one that I've grown up with. So of course he's yeah. gonna be the guy that I'm gonna turn to and is like, that's my favorite. It's the only one I've got to experience. Yeah,
0: that's understandable. And I think that the, winning the Super Bowl, um, it does afford the 49ers the option to bring Jimmy Garoppolo back. He proved that he won it. And then, you know, the team is gonna push for that. You know they are. I mean, some of these yeah. some of these players really are, you know, friends of his and, and they really like him a lot. Um, and I think you would in that situation say, you know what, why not see what we could do, run the until the wheels fall off. And that's when you go to Jimmy Garoppolo and you say, hey, look, if we're going to keep this Super Bowl roster together, we're going to need you to do something for us financially. Um, and we're going to do right by you. So what we're going to do is we're going to put in a trade situation in your contract that when you get traded, you get to pick where you go. You ultimately decide they work together and they work out something financially. But all this hinges on winning the Super Bowl. If he gets there and loses, um, you're not bringing him back. There, there's not going to be the push. I mean, yes, they'll still love him and everything. But the overall the fan base isn't going with them. The team isn't going all the way with them. Uh, so I just, I think that that is, that is kind of where we're at. Jimmy will have taken him to two Super Bowls and lost two. Um, it, it's tough. You, you have to win them. Kyle Shannon, how many times is he going to get back to the Super Bowl? George Kittle, famously on the sidelines, like, I have to get back here. You know, like, I mean, this is one of those things people think you're going to get back every year, and it's just not a possibility. So when you get there, you have to win. You have to take advantage of it. So, I mean, I think that's the only way. And then, and, I think in those circumstances, then he'll be back. In any other circumstance, it'll be Trey Lance as the quarterback or another quarterback. I want to leave it open just in case um, somebody else becomes available or they make some – you're right. That's it, Aaron (laughs) Rodgers. Because we don't know. And you don't know what the feelings are about Trey Lance from the organization. I know they think he's the future, but could Aaron Rodgers be the right now next year? You don't know.
1: And how far away is the future? That's the real question.
0: I think it's 2022, but I I don't know for sure because I don't get to see him in practice every day. I don't get
1: to see him in practice every day um if there's strides then yeah you're right it probably is 2022 and i agree but how big of a stride the
0: second half of the texans showed there were strides
1: there were strides the first half didn't though
0: no but he's also a young guy figuring true. out how to he's play also 20 in.
1: he's 21 years old yeah a year and a half of college under his belt at not the highest level making the transition but what you NFL.
0: saw was him play under center you seen him taking Correct. the first read a lot of times being able to go through progressions at times he didn't look to run all the time he looked Correct. to move the pocket and extend place and throw the ball, which was better than the Arizona Cardinals games huge, where he was just looking to run huge differences. Yeah. You've seen the strides in his play. I think he's going to get better during the off season. Agreed. Um, we'll see what ultimately it comes down to what Kyle and John want. But I, I think that this is kind of what I laid out is sort of what I've been thinking all year. I think, you know, that I've kind of yeah. stayed on this. You stayed
1: on it. Yeah. And I've, I have stayed on the, I believe it's probably, it, it is like 99% likely it's Trey Lance, but there's this, there's that 1%. And oh. technically now it's like a half percent because there's another that other that one percent was just Jimmy Garoppolo and now that half of that one percent is turned to Aaron Rodgers. I don't even
0: think it's ninety nine percent that it's it's Trey Lance. You don't think so? No, I I wouldn't put it past ninety percent. Sure. Oh okay. Uh, because I do think there's like a five percent chance right now the Niners are still alive in the playoffs. Accurate. Which means they have an opportunity and there's still a five percent chance that Aaron Rodgers pushes his way out of Green Bay. And in that case I think
1: there's actually probably more of a five more than a five. Well, I mean chance. that
0: he ends up in San Francisco. He pushes oh, yeah, okay. out there's a higher it ends up
1: in, yeah, ends should, up in he San he Francisco
0: because there's gonna be a lot of moving parts. Um I, I think that if Harbaugh got hired in Las Vegas uh, with the right GM, it nah, might it nah. might be Aaron Rodgers to Las Vegas. Nah,
1: it's gonna be Andrew Luck. It could be. Who knows? And I could see I could see luck coming But out of retirement I would I would Bravo. be nervous about I that.
0: if I was if I was the AFC West, I'd be nervous about a Harbaugh Aaron Rodgers pairing in the desert.
1: Oh yeah, I'd be worried about that. I'd be worried about luck coming out. I'd be worried about a lot of things if I was in the AFC West and that's happening. That 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 would be a hundred percent a concern. Or Russell Wilson. Yikes. Yikes for the AFC West if that happens. That's a huge yike for them. I'm just saying, right not for the, not for the Raiders. That for, that's a that's them. a place Sierra would be okay going to. Um Aaron
0: Rodgers wants to get over closer to the West Coast. Right there, he's a, a short flight away from Los Angeles. Um, to me, th- those are two guys that are possibilities there, especially if they go hardball. It's an
1: enticing look, enticing thought. Raiders, screw this up. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. I don't want to deal with your fan base. I don't want to deal with you guys having a franchise quarterback and a fantastic head coach. Don't make the right decision. Mark Davis, Al Davis this up for me. Al Davis this up. We yeah let, let's it.
0: let's hope he goes full haircut on his decision on coaches full haircut yeah
1: full haircut anyway. if he
0: does that it, it's it's okay could happen the only bull that's been in the raiders situation lately has been that haircut accurate. um yeah no
1: super bowls no not since 83 no yeah poor poor raiders uh we'll see what happens cut back crew though let us know what you thought about all of this down below in the comment section right now you excited you like hearing richard sherman's comments on jimmy g or you hate it because you want it to be trade a and People need to keep, keep their mouth. If you're not in the 49ers, keep your mouth shut. Um, and then how do you feel about D'Amico Ryans and what he had to say about the Green Bay Packers? Not really looking a whole lot different. Yes, they're a weld oiled machine, but he sees a lot of similarities with them from week three till now. Does that make you feel excited and make you feel like there's even more hope for the 49ers? McDaniels comments on Jimmy and him being able to throw the football. Uh, Adam Peters potentially on the way out and heading towards the gigantes and all the updates about bosa warner ombry thomas jimmy garoppolo himself um you know all these guys jordan willis getting practice time in as well with the high ankle sprain how does that make you feel we want to hear from you down in the comment section below and while you're down there commenting don't forget to like don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already and hit that notification bell
0: yeah this is a jam-packed episode we had a lot to talk about um but 49ers playoff content is going to be like that and Uh, I think it's fun to talk about the team. It's fun to talk about the future. Uh, And it's fun to talk about the Green Bay Packers. And that's why you need to stay later on today, two o'clock for the the preview show. You want to see the game preview. We're going to break down 49ers versus Green Bay Packers, give all the key matchups, some bold predictions, and then pick who we think is going to win the football game. It's going to be a good time. Make sure you hop over for that. And then after you're done with that tonight, 430, get all the latest updates, all the news live on a live stream. And while you're there, we're going to answer all the questions. It's live Q&A, so hop in. As soon as you get there, start populating the chat with questions, and we'll go ahead and we'll get into those. It's exciting. We like interacting with you, so it'll be a good time.
1: It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be exciting times. We're inching closer and closer to the Friday Frenzy. You're not going to want to miss that, so make sure you're subscribed. you subscribe. You have hit that notification bell. That way you're notified when all of these videos go live this week. We'll catch you for the Game Preview Show, and until then, stay safe. Remember the right way is the always place, the 49ers way.